0: It is time for the last word on the environment. John Gibbons is with us. Good evening, John. Good evening, Nathan. 0874 if you have any questions for John. It is a bit of a heat wave special this week because, John, in the last week, we've seen in the Turpan Depression in China, which is their Death Valley, a temperature of 52.2 degrees. In America, in Death Valley proper, a peak of 53.9 degrees. And in Europe, a new record high temperature of 41.8 degrees in Rome on Tuesday. How unusual is it to have so many extreme situations happening in so many parts of the Northern Hemisphere at the same time?
1: Yeah, it's extremely unusual. As we know, we've always had heat waves. We've always had extreme weather events. What's happening really now is that the frequency and the intensity of these events are increasing. So this has been borne out very, very clearly. So, for example, just one analysis done uh, estimated that the, the likelihood of what's called a once in a century heat wave. Because of the background signal of climate change, what the so-called once in a century heat wave is now a once every five years heat wave. Now that's that's in 2023. As we move forward and continue to uh release more and more emissions into the into the atmosphere, uh those ratios get more and more worrying. So so imagine the worst heat wave of the last century. That 's what we can expect now every five years so that 's really a, a quite a dramatic change and, and as you say what 's so unusual here is we 're looking at a northern hemisphere where we have continental sized heat waves over North America uh, into Canada uh, over Europe and over much of Asia so this is essentially most of the landmass of northern Europe or sorry the northern hemisphere in fact uh, locked in Heat waves. And I should add, and I think it's very important to say that probably the biggest heat wave happening in the world right now, we have a maritime heat wave in the North Atlantic Ocean. It covers about 40 million square kilometers. And here we're seeing sea surface temperatures up to five degrees above normal. Now, this is... To quote one scientist working on this, he said this is off the charts. They are physically redrawing the graphs that they use to measure the amount of heat accumulating in our ocean. So that's, uh, that's not great news.
0: Also, generally, when we look at these extreme weather events, they do tend to happen later in the summer in northern Europe. So is there the potential that there's actually worse to come?
1: Uh, I'm afraid so. You're absolutely right. Generally speaking, June and July, uh, the, the real high temperatures tend to happen in the late July into well into August in Europe. Uh, so ironically, traditionally, say for the French, they actually take their holidays in August. Why? Because it's the hottest month of the year. Uh, and once upon a time, that used to be a good thing. I think we're going to see those type of trends reversing dramatically. And we're, we're probably going to see effectively the, the, I won't say the collapse, but certainly a dramatic realignment. Of our tourism movements, because uh, and we're seeing this already. For example, where uh, French people instead of said, instead of heading, say, south from Paris uh, down to the down to the the Côte d'Azur, they're now heading up to um, Brittany, up to Dinard, basically to escape the crushing summer heat. And I will say this is new. I know people will say, "Well, Spain, for example, is you know it's a, it's a hot country. Mm. The, the Spanish people are well uh, acclimatized to hot weather." But the issue here is. This is the intensity of it. This is what they haven't experienced before, and I guess you know, countries like say Italy, southern Italy in particular, uh, they're experiencing temperatures that that again are outside of the how they're set up, and and it is important to say that across Europe. There are relatively little i think the estimate is that about one in ten europeans have access to air conditioning in america for example about 90 percent of americans have access to air conditioning so we have a huge issue that as temperatures rise particularly above 40 degrees centigrade this is really dangerous particularly for vulnerable uh, people with uh, pre-existing conditions for the elderly for younger children those type of temperatures and particular signature of climate change is high nighttime temperatures so, for example, in France at the moment and in parts of Italy, uh, nighttime temperatures have failed to drop below 25 degrees centigrade, which, of course, is about as hot as it ever really gets in Ireland mm. at the moment. So that means unless you have access to air conditioning, you're likely to be extremely stressed because your body is stressed uh, coping with high temperatures during the day. And when you try to sleep at night, unless your body is able to cool off, you can end up in serious trouble. You can basically end up in hospital.
0: But, John, a listener says many people in Europe are calling the temperatures being reported as crap. Some of them are reporting 10 degrees higher than reality. Also, weather maps are now coloured red and orange where they were green before. What's with all the scaremongering?
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess it sounds like Twitter has moved onto the radio for the afternoon. Sure, all these crazy crackpot theories and and it is funny because once upon a time, Nathan, when I was you know reporting on rising background temperatures and and pointing out that that unless we got a grip a grip on climate change, we're going to see the type of extreme weather that we're experiencing now, and I remember thinking, well at least you know. If this weather does come to pass, well, at least then the the deniers and the naysayers will finally put a sock in it. But, of course, not a bit of it. What they're simply doing instead is just changing the goalposts. And And it is really strange for people to want to lie about this because scientists, for example, have no interest whatsoever, no vested interest, no financial interest in lying about this or exaggerating it. In fact, Nathan, I would argue if anything the scientific community has been guilty of over the last 20 to 30 years, to be honest with you, has been probably understating the situation because, of course, they're w- they're very concerned and wary about being targeted by some of the kind of people who've been f- contacting your program today. These are pretty strange people. Uh, <laughs> many, many, I'm sorry to say, many of them from the far right, uh, COVID deniers, climate deniers, racists. I don't know why, but for some reason, denial of the basic facts of science uh, is, is an article of faith to certain people. And I wish I knew
0: why. John, when you're talking about this becoming a once-every-five-year event, I think when people started looking at climate change or protecting the planet, we were probably talking about protecting it for our grandchildren, and then we started talking about protecting it for our children. The fact that now it's going to become such a regular event, this sort of extreme heat, and we'll wait and see what comes on the opposite side through the winter do you Do you see any sign that it is bringing people to a new reality and a real focus of minds amongst governments among people of influence that actually they need to get on top of this?
1: I would like to think so. I mean, there's no question that there, there is a more serious tone, notwithstanding the, the people we just talked about. Among serious people, I think it has been taken, uh, you know, far more, far more uh, gravely than it has been. There's no question about that. But I guess the issue really here is the rate at which we're we're adjusting our critical behaviour and adjusting our systems, because the only thing that will prevent this from spinning out of control is drastic reductions in carbon emissions globally and when i say globally nathan that includes ireland because immediately you'll have people on saying oh we're small it doesn't matter what we do here unfortunately that type of defeatist attitude is what's got us into this trouble in the first place ireland per capita we're among the second to third highest per capita emitters in europe and we're among the highest per capita emitters in the world so yes we in ireland we punch way above our weight uh and we need to, to, to really get on board with this. And, you know, the issue here really, and this we come into this time and time again, uh, pe- everybody says they're in favour of climate action until it comes down to difficult decisions. Like, for example, uh, are you prepared w- to see higher costs for, for aviation, for example? Aviation at the moment is ridiculously cheap. It's subsidised because it gets massive uh, tax breaks in relation to aviation fuel and so on. People have gotten used to cheap flights. Those flights are extremely damaging. Are people prepared to give that up? The answer, it seems, is no. Are people prepared to switch, as the science advises us, towards a largely, not exclusively, but a largely plant-based diet in order to ease pressure on the natural world and to reduce methane emissions, which are part of the the cocktail of, of gases that are boiling the planet at the moment are people prepared to do that well maybe they are but what they tend to be shouted down politically by the vested interests who are currently making an awful lot of money whether it's in the fossil fuel industry or in the livestock sector here in ireland they're shouting down and demanding that we don't deal with this and we don't talk about it and we the citizens we need to shout back and say actually it's not good enough we've got to deal with this
0: what about here in Ireland? Then we covered the Met Eireann report in the Irish climate over the 30 years that it is getting wetter, it's getting warmer, it's getting sunnier. How is climate change impacting Ireland when you look at that report?
1: Yeah, I mean the Met Eireann report tracks exactly, pretty much, uh, that we're 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 a mid latitude uh, island, and and we've tracked 0.7 degree. Uh, temperature increase over the 30 year time frame so that's a little over 0.2 degrees per decade that is roughly the rate at which the world is warming up that doesn't sound like a lot but they are huge huge changes and as you say the most critical uh, way this is expressing itself in the short term in ireland is a seven percent increase in rainfall but also and I'm sure people listening to us today will, will notice this. We've had a dramatic change, not just in the total amount of rainfall, but in its distribution. The famous soft Irish rain that we used to get in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, in the autumn. Now what we're tending to find is we're getting weeks, in some case even into, into months of drought or near drought conditions, followed by downpours. And this is what we're seeing is a, 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 our, our own weather system, so we're getting more rainfall in total, but the distribution of that rainfall is changing. And of course, that has huge implications for food production here on, here on our island. And that's something that I think our politicians in particular, and our policymakers, haven't yet taken as seriously as they need to. The fact that the critical thing that every country needs to do is to secure its own ability to feed its population. And contrary, Nathan, to popular view in Ireland, Ireland is not a sec- uh, food secure country. In fact, we're a food insecure country. We import most of the food that Irish people eat, that we buy in the supermarkets, are imported. Uh, so it's a really strange thing. And of course, we're a major exporter of a tiny number of products. We export them. But in terms of feeding our own population, we're really ill equipped. And the reason I think that's such a massive concern is that if we are heading into a situation where many countries that we that we deal with and trade with are already under heat stress, we've seen major drops in food production uh, across Europe. Uh, there was Belgium recently reported on a crisis in their agriculture sector. That means our ability to buy food. Particularly cheap food and to import it at in, in some cases at any price is under threat, and that of course extends to the fact that we currently import between three and five million tons of animal feed every year as well as a million and a half tons of fertilizers and we need all that or we, we require all that in order to sustain our enormous livestock herd so my concern and it's something I wrote about earlier this week in the in the Irish examiner is that Ireland needs basically to set up a new department of food security because I believe our priority has to be securing the food supply for for our population. And our current agricultural system is set up uh, mostly to benefit large exporters, uh, multinational PLCs. It is not set up to provide the nutritional and food needs for the Irish population. So that's something that I think we need to think about very, very carefully here in Ireland.
0: All right, John Gibbons, we have to leave it there. The last word on the environment.